Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. Welcome once again. So good to have you with us as Pam and I get into Proverbs 4. This is exciting. I love this chapter. Oh, I love just reading about wisdom. You know, we were just praying before we started and we we thank the Lord because it says in the Word that the Holy Spirit will declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father. And where is that, Pam? That's John 16, 14. Mm. So we just pray that the Holy Spirit would, we thank Him that He's going to declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father to us. We're going to speak it to you. It's going to unfold. I like Psalms 119, 130 that says it's the entrance and unfolding of God's Word that brings light. It has to be unfolded. Yeah, it does. And so we pray today that it would be unfolded in your heart and it would bring light to so many areas of your life and your family's life. Amen. We recognize we have the help of the Holy Spirit right now just breathing this Word into our heart. So here we go. Proverbs 4, starting out verse 1. Hear, my sons and my daughters, the instruction of a father, and pay attention in order to gain and to know intelligent discernment. So it's telling you the price right up front. Pay what? Attention. In order to gain and to know intelligent discernment, comprehension, and interpretation of spiritual matters. There was a lot of times when I was a boy growing up that spiritual matters were considered very ethereal and foggy and just, and there was like this cliche statement, well, Stephen, some things we just won't know till the sweet by and by. And it seemed that that was more common than not to say something like that. For every question that came up, that was a spiritual question. And for me, that just didn't sit well. It was like, well, God, I want to know. I want to know why. There's an expression that says that the man that knows how will always have a job. The person that knows why will always be the boss of the guy that knows Mm -hmm. how. That's good. And, And I think in spiritual matters, this holds true. It's not enough just to know the how, the mechanics in a situation, but God wants us to know why. In fact, in Psalm 103, I think it's verse 7, it actually says about that, the children of Israel knew the acts of God, but then it says in verse 7, but Moses knew the thoughts of God. See, he knew the why, why God was doing what he was doing. He went after the heart of God, the thoughts of God. And you know, we have the mind of Christ. So this really holds true right now. Hear my son and daughter, the instruction of a father, and pay attention. See, there's a price to gain Mm -hmm. and know intelligent discernment, comprehension, and interpretation of spiritual matters. God wants us to pursue it, but there's a cost. You got to pay attention. I think that's one of the greatest gifts we can give the Lord is to pay attention, Mm. to listen to Him. Um, It was a couple months ago, and I was just really, I was praying, and I was singing, and I felt like Father God by Holy Spirit, all of a sudden I just saw Him smiling, and and you know, He likes me to pray and declare to Him. Of course He does, and of course He puts songs in my heart that I can sing over myself and sing back to Him. Those are all God's will, but... I kind of saw in my spirit this picture of him standing up and he was getting ready to say something to me. Like I had been praying and wanting answers and I could see his mouth starting to open like he had something to say to me that was going to respond to my prayer and answer. I just kept talking. And so he smiled sweetly and sat back down. And then I quickly saw where I was singing and singing and singing. And all of a sudden, he stood up and I could tell he started to open his mouth and he was wanting to sing over me. And I quickly discern this, what the Holy Spirit says, yes, Father God loves to hear us pray and to sing, but sometimes He wants you to sit down and just be quiet because He's got something to say to us. And He actually wants to sing over us. It says in the Word that Jesus sings over us. So sometimes I think the greatest thing that we can do is just to stop and listen. Doesn't it matter to you when somebody's listening to you? You can tell if their heart is paying attention. I mean, if they're, and if they're doing that, it shows you respect. It does. It actually puts a value on what you're saying. So I think sometimes with God, the enemy would like to deceive us to think, well, what could I offer God? What can I give God? God is so great. What could I bring to God that's of any value? And the word says that all the gold is God and the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to God. So what could I give God? Your attention. Yes. 
Yes. Give God your attention. God values it when you're listening to his word, when you're paying attention to even the expressions on God's face. So let's go on and see what it says here. Verse two. For I give you good doctrine, what is to be received. Don't forsake my teaching. Verse three. When I, Solomon, was a son with my father, David, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, Bathsheba. Number four, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. And that is based on First uh, Chronicles 28, 9 and Ephesians 6, 4. It says almost practically the same thing. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? is It's a complete opposite picture of what we see in Luke 15 when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son in Luke 15, he held fast to what? The father's stuff. Mm, He was like, Father, give me your stuff. I'm not really interested in what you got to say. I'm not really interested in spending any time with you because as soon as I get the stuff, I'm out of here. I'm going to another country even just to put some distance between me and you. But look at what you just read here in verse 4. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. You know, a father, a real spiritual father, there's nothing more pleasing to a spiritual mentor than to see his spiritual son or his protege hold fast to his words, Mm -hmm. meditate on the words and the spiritual direction. Because verse five says, get skillful and godly wisdom, get understanding, discernment, comprehension, and interpretation. Do not forget and do not turn back from the words of my mouth. You know, I learned as a young man, it's not enough just to pray a prayer. Oh God, give me your wisdom. That's a good prayer. But if you're going to pray that, have the word of God in your hand and show God that you're paying attention, pray the prayer and then read his words. See, that's what we're doing right now. For you that are listening, you're paying attention. You're pursuing God's wisdom. And as we pursue the wisdom of Almighty God, look at all these promises are about to come upon us. Because what are we doing? We're paying a price. Some of you, you're driving down the road. You're on your way to a a sales call. But you're paying attention to God's wisdom and His Word. And this is so exciting because... There's a cause and effect as you go after the word of God. The outcome is everything that wisdom has for you. And we're about to see this in Proverbs 4. And I'm telling you, Pam, it's exciting to see the things that wisdom will do for you. (laughs) That's right. But we just read here, verse 5, get skillful and godly wisdom. Well, I prayed about that last week. Okay, when you prayed, what was the next step that you did? Because James says, faith without works or faith without corresponding action is dead. So what did you do? Well, I just prayed and then I went and was watching TV. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, no, It says, get skillful in God's wisdom. Unless you're watching something on television or online or unless you're pursuing mentors and teachers through the virtual world, you got to get skillful in godly wisdom, get understanding, get discernment, get comprehension, and get interpretation. You know, that's why when I read the Word, I don't want to just sit there and just go, well, God said this and this and this. I want to get interpretation. Well, what was the foundation of that in the Hebrew? A lot of times I'll go to the Hebrew, the original text of that verse, and get the layers of what the Hebrew word means. And then it's like, oh my goodness, Pam, here's the interpretation of that. This is so exciting. So let's move on. Verse 6. Forsake not wisdom, and she will keep you, defend you, protect you. So love her, and she will guard you. Oh, wow. So as we love wisdom, right away, look what's built into that protection. You know, we have this safety. Right right now, what's really popular is identity protection Mm -hmm. in the virtual world. Well, let me tell you something. God invented the virtual world. Mm -hmm. You know, thousands of years ago, before anybody knew anything about the internet or whatever man's inventions were on this platform, God had already established a spiritual, invisible, virtual world that had everything to do with physical manifestation. And so God knows how to protect. And here we are. It says, when you exalt wisdom, when you pursue wisdom, what you just read, Pam, 
wisdom will keep and defend and protect us. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to love wisdom. That's why you and I, a lot yeah. of times in our house, we just shout it out. Wisdom, we love you. We love you. Because wisdom, <laughs> we know, is directly one of the spirits of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the reverential awe of the living God. Yeah. So verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is... Okay, let's just stop for a second. The beginning of wisdom is... okay, this is interesting. The beginning of wisdom is... We're called to to not forsake wisdom. We're called to love wisdom. What is the very foundation and beginning of wisdom? And we'd already talked about this a little bit in Proverbs 1 and 2. But the beginning of wisdom is... And here's the answer. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. It's the pursuit of wisdom. Skillful and godly wisdom. For skillful and godly wisdom is the principal thing. That's why, you know, when I hear in church people saying, well, you know, here's the foundation of everything. And they may say it's discipleship. They may say it's prayer. They may say it's worship. And it's like, wait a sec. The Word of God makes it clear. Here is the principal thing in all of life. Get wisdom. Wisdom is the foundation, the very undergirding of everything in life. God's word is the principal thing. Because I've heard you say this and we've talked about it. When you get wisdom as the principal thing in understanding and understand the ways of God, you are praying the will of God. So therefore your prayers and your discipleship and your reaching out and everything you do is strategic. It hits the mark. It it doesn't spray. Tell that story that one scientist told you, you know, when there's enough electricity in a bulb to light the room. A hundred watt light bulb in this room that you and I are in right now, it would barely light up the room at nighttime, a hundred watt bulb. But a hundred watt laser when it's brought to a focus. The same amount of electricity, right? Same amount of the same amount of energy. Okay. But when it's brought to a fine focus in a laser, that hundred watt laser can cut through six inches of steel. And so, you know, that's what wisdom does is it brings a precision to our prayers. You know, I know what it's like as a boy to be desperate, praying about my family situation and praying about my dad being lawless and not serving God and praying for protection for my family because I didn't have a knowledge of the Word of Mm -hmm. God. A lot of times my prayers were feeling indulgent. They were random. They were coming from a sincere heart, but sincerity without knowledge. And the Word of God talks about us having the knowledge of the Holy One, getting wisdom, getting understanding, and getting that precision to how we pray. And that's why wisdom is the principal thing. So when you pray, wisdom still is the foundation and the principal thing. And I think it comes from paying attention, not just wanting to hear your own voice all the time, but actually listening, listening by what he's going to try to say in a moment where you've just calmed yourself and maybe you're just listening to him through the word or watching something or reading something. I've heard a lot of people say, and and I totally understand this. I probably said it myself. Well, God knows my heart. Yeah, he does know your heart. And he's not trying to make you jump through hoops, but there is protocol and there is, we should be wanting, we should never be satisfied. Well, I can say whatever I want and blurt, we all blurt out things, but I would rather just say help Lord and nothing more as opposed to babbling on and on things that aren't the will of God. And so I think I would rather say, help, Lord, if that's what I have to say, then God will calm me and he'll give me the words to pray. But I think to be satisfied years and years go by and you're you're still quoting the mantra, well, God knows my heart, you're never wanting to go forward in understanding his ways, understanding his wisdom, understanding how to bring things, what is his will, how to declare things and pray and sing pray things that are his will that actually accomplish the will of God in this world. Instruction is such a big deal. You know, like when you're when you're just an infant, you know you're destined to walk. But when we're born as little babies, nobody's born walking. Right. You acquire the skill through practice and through help from parents and your elders. Again, verse 7 says, the beginning of wisdom is 
get wisdom. Get skillful and godly wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom is is the getting of this principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. And then the back half of verse 7 says, and with all you have gotten, talking about wisdom, get understanding. See, it's not enough just to get the wisdom. You know, when you read John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, that's wisdom. Mm, that's but good. with all the wisdom that you've gotten, it's still just a memory verse. Like you said, until you... Psalm 119, 130, unfold it. Right. What does that mean to you? Look, there's people in the world that can quote John 3.16, but still don't have a DNA transfer from the Heavenly Father to live as a child of God. Because then it goes on to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, but then it goes on to, and whosoever believes on him, trust in, adheres to, relies totally on See, now you're unfolding it. You're unfolding it, but you know, a person has to unfold it and make it come alive in their heart. Like, let the the ground of their heart open up and receive that seed and actually have a transfer, right? So, verse eight Prize wisdom highly and exalt her, and she will exalt and promote you, and she will bring you to honor when you embrace her. Oh, I love it. When you hug her. Look at this, prize wisdom highly, exalt her. You know, you and I, Pam, that's what we're called to. And that's what we're doing even now, is we are exalting wisdom. Yeah. Oh, I love wisdom. I think sometimes even when we're in worship and we're singing, I exalt you, Lord, and we're talking about exalting Jesus, we need to make, as we're singing that, make a mental note of what we're saying. Jesus is the spirit of all wisdom. So in a way, you're you're saying, I exalt wisdom. I exalt your way of doing things, Jesus. We're so one-dimensional sometimes even when we're singing if we don't have an unfolding of what we're singing. I find out the more that I understand words, they become bigger and bigger and broader. So when I say one word, it means so much. About a year ago, we were praying and um, early in the morning, you'll remember this, Stephen, and we were just praying and singing in the Spirit and reading the Word and exalting wisdom. And all of a sudden, I just felt this really strong urge in my spirit, go downstairs, go out on the front porch. And I really didn't think much about it. I'm thinking, huh, I don't even know what that is. And I, so I did it. And I'm thinking, what do I need to look at at the front porch in my front lawn? And I was actually up here going, where in the world is she? Yeah, what happened to Pam? And all of a sudden, I just went out there and just kind of stood and looked. And just like within seconds, there was this man walking his dog in the neighborhood. And the dog kind of broke loose. And I smiled at the man and his dog come over and started wagging his tail and being friendly. To me, so I said hi, and I petted the dog, and and the man ran over, said I'm so sorry, and I said, oh that's okay. I said hi, my name's Pam, my husband Stephen and I we live here, and what's your name? And he told me his name. All of a sudden, I was just being calm, I was just being friendly, and out of nowhere, something switched. It was like a movie where he got real serious look on his face, and he just started pouring out to me. The doctor said, I'm dying. He said, I probably should have died last week. They want me to put me in hospice. I only have weeks to live. And he poured out his heart to me. And in those just split seconds, I just leaned over to him and I touched his arm. And I said, you know, I just say peace to you. I said, you know, Stephen has studied with the rabbis before on the true meaning of the word pictures of the meanings of the Hebrew words. And I said, peace in the word picture in Hebrew means the destruction destruction of the authority of chaos, and then wholeness. I said, I speak peace to your mind, your will and emotions and your body. And I say peace to you in Jesus name. Well, because I understand the full impact of what peace really means. When I said peace to him, I was seeing the regeneration power of of God bringing, plucking out wrong thinking. I saw that he'd been abused as a child. I, I saw these all things in my mind was seeing that God was plucking out those wrong things and bringing wholeness to him. He started sobbing, sobbing, thanking me so much. Well, all of a sudden, he could hardly walk then, came up here, I told you, and we saw him days later running around the golf course with the dog. We said, Lord, I thank you for that. But I think when you get a bigger understanding of what words mean, of what things mean, you're able to pray and sing with such strategic and That's not easy to say, is it? Strategic power. 1 Corinthians one thirty says that Christ is made wisdom unto us. Jesus Christ 
God has made him the very essence, the very personification of wisdom unto us. So, you know, when we say prize wisdom highly, we're really even talking about the very person of Jesus. Mm, that's good. Wisdom, God has made Jesus Christ wisdom unto us. So it says, prize wisdom highly and exalt her. Again, talking about that, the very spirit of wisdom. And she will exalt you and promote you. Pam, it's wonderful to know that's God's will for your life. If you're, if right today you're wondering, I, I just wonder what God's will is for my life. Here it is, that wisdom will exalt and promote you. God wants to use his wisdom to exalt and promote you. And then look, she will bring you to honor when you embrace her. I'm telling you, my friends, as you pursue wisdom, wisdom will bring honor to you because that's God's will for your life, to have and to hold honor. Verse 9, she will give to your head a wreath of gracefulness. Pam, right away that makes me think of Psalm 8 where it says that God has crowned us with glory and honor Mm -hmm. that we might have dominion over the works of His hands. Wow. (laughs) So wisdom, but you got to have that crown that comes only from wisdom. Wisdom is the one that gives you that crown from God. She will give to your head a wreath of gracefulness, a crown of beauty and glory will she deliver to you. Man, that's beautiful. You kind of laugh sometimes because if things come on TV or I I go to a beauty store and I'm looking at all the newest, latest, greatest creams and makeups and stuff, and I'm always like oohing and ah and like this is a new cream that will make me look like I'm 12, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and you always laugh and think that they're just all the same. I'm always trying to get delivered to me some latest, greatest skincare, and I thought to myself, that's fine. But one of the greatest things we can do is to seek wisdom in our life, and there'll be a wreath of gracefulness, you know, a it crown should af- of beauty. It should affect your outward countenance. It should, and, and I've seen it. I've seen people that reject wisdom and God's way, and it doesn't matter what kind of things they do, there's a darkness about them. And then I've seen people that embrace wisdom and God's way of doing things, and there's such a glow. It affects their skin. Yeah. Look at the next verse, Pam, the very first word. What is it? Here, oh, my son and daughter, here. And receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. And what do we have to do? Hear. Listen. Yeah. You know, this is why this is why we ask the Holy Spirit to help us when we're reading the word. You know, the Bible doesn't say read the word, it says hear the word. Right. Sometimes the old Pentecostal meetings, hear it. Hear it. Everybody was saying hear it so much nobody was actually even listening. (laughs) Right. Verse 11, I have taught you in the way of skillful and godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. See, if people are talking about wisdom, there is no wisdom void of God. You know, if you're, I don't care what campus you're on around the country or around the world, the top universities, the top educators in the world, if it's a wisdom that doesn't have anything to do with God. James says that it's a demonic, devilish wisdom that Always has, full of pride and arrogance, too. Yeah, yeah, has no life in it, and it's a form of wisdom, but really is in alignment with demonic thinking. Where does it say, is it Romans, where it says that sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is Romans dead? 8. Romans 8. <laughs> so, I have taught you in the way of skillful and godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. I have led you in paths of uprightness. I like that, rightness, as opposed to leading us in path of wrongness. 12. When you walk, your steps shall not be hampered. Your path will be clear and open. And when you run, you shall not stumble. There's sometimes that I feel like I've gone through times where I'm stumbling a lot. I'm running. I'm just I'm stumbling. I can't find the way. And I have to stop and I have to realign myself. I have to just stop, get some margin back in my life, quit being so, so busy, find the things that I can say, get some time to get some margin, say no to so I can get some margin back and say, what am I not getting your wisdom? Lord, what am I not hearing your comprehensive insights into your ways and purposes? What am I not listening what am I not doing because I'm so busy? Because I feel like I'm stumbling all the time. And I feel like 
that this is such a good scripture. I thank you, Lord, that today that my family and I, we're going to submit ourselves to your way of thinking and doing things to your wisdom. Our path will be clear and open today in Jesus' name, and we will run and not stumble. You know, and the good thing about that is when you read it, there are times to move quickly because it's talking about, and when you run. Right. You shall not stumble. And maybe you're out for a run today as you're listening to this podcast. That's awesome. But God has promised you, even when you're running, you can run with wisdom. That's what you're doing right now. And it says, as you meditate on wisdom and as you're consulting and getting first things first, right? Wisdom is the principal thing. When you run, when you move quickly, even exercising, you shall not stumble. But verse 13, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her. Talking about instruction. For she is your life. 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, number one, and go not into the way of evil men. This is part of wisdom. Part of wisdom is what wisdom tells you to do, but part of the platform of wisdom and instruction is who not to do it with, what path not to go on. Mm, I think sometimes believers think, well, because I am a believer and because Jesus is in me, I can just kind of go anywhere. You know, it's interesting. Paul, in the book of Acts, purposed, the Bible says, in his heart to go into a certain country to preach the gospel. So, I mean, his motives were great. He wanted to reach people for Jesus. He wanted to go into another country and tell the world about Christ. It was in his heart to do it, but the Bible says the Holy Spirit, Spirit of wisdom, forbid him. You know, this is really important to know. We're led by wisdom. We're led by the Holy Spirit. There were places that the Holy Spirit led him to. There's places that he led him to. And then there were other places the Holy Spirit says, do not go there. Exactly. And so sometimes I think people justifiably that, well, any path and all paths, and and especially over there, that's a really wicked path. So I need to go on that path so I can represent Jesus. Uh, It says right here, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Verse 15, avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn from it and pass on. Oh my goodness, like such a warning. Talking about the path of the wicked, it says avoid that path, don't go on it, turn from it, don't even have it in your optics. Remember when Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, you shouldn't go to the cross. Here's a better path for you. You should avoid the cross. No, God forbid that you should die on the cross. Jesus literally turns his back on Peter, who had just a chapter before said, you are the Christ. He had this revelation from heaven. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now Jesus turns his back on Peter and says, get thee behind me, Satan. You savor us not the word or the will of God, the wisdom of God. And so Jesus blocked. Peter. (laughs) He says, get out of my peripherals. Right. He didn't want to even look in his face. Now, just like you said, just minutes before, he, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, being motivated by the Holy Spirit, spoke the, the will of God by saying, you are the Son of God. And Jesus embraced him and looked at him, the Lord has revealed this to you. And then chapter later, he was like, no, you're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're talking Satan's way. I'm not even going to look at you until you start talking and going my father's way. There's been times something's come up on even television, you know, and even on a commercial There's something in my spirit I can tell. I can't even get the flicker fast enough. And it's like, I got to turn my head away because I don't even want that in my peripheral. Right. When I was a kid, we were allowed to watch Hockey Night in Canada. I'm Canadian, by the way. I don't know if you knew you married a Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) But we were allowed to watch hockey on Saturday and we would save up our TV time through the week so that we could watch hockey on Saturday. Obviously, hockey, is, especially in Canada, is sponsored primarily by beer commercials. And my mom didn't want those commercials played in her home because of my dad and certain things. Alcohol had been a real detriment to our family and to our home. Right. And so we weren't going to give any place to. She didn't want her kids being educated by beer sponsors. That was the rule in the house. When the hockey game was playing, <laughs> That's good. you had to shut off the commercials, and then you could turn the TV back on when the commercial was over. So we got good at timing commercials. Right. <laughs> Verse 16. For they cannot sleep unless they have caused trouble or vexation. Their sleep is taken away unless they have caused someone to fall. This is going back to uh, the path of the wicked, the path of the evil. You know, I just want to go back to the path of the wicked, the path of the evil. Sometimes 
I've always thought the wicked when that term again comes up, I think of the most vilest people that do the most horrendous things, which is part of it. But you said when you studied in Hebrew, wicked means more than that. What does wicked mean? It comes from the root word wicker, which means twisted. And so, you know, a lot of times when Jesus was ministering to people, people thought he was a friend of sinners and tax collectors, but it was just because he had mercy. He had a loving, forgiving heart. And the woman that was caught in adultery, he forgave her. He didn't condemn her. But you know who Jesus a lot of times pinned the mantle of wicked on were the Pharisees and Sadducees, people that were living a form of lifestyle that seemed disciplined, but their confidence was in themselves. Their- and it was just a, a, like a crookedness when we choose to continue in a wrong way of thinking, saying something that's truth, saying that is false, and saying something that's false is truth. We're not willing to humble ourselves to learn that th- what the truth is. We're being wicked, really. Well, like Peter, right? Like that was wicked. Peter was, it seemed to be such a nice thing right, to say. We, it seemed to be such a religiously profitable thing to say. I mean, we got a good ministry going here. Jesus, you can't go to the cross. Right. We're, we're helping people. Right. You healed a blind person yesterday. No, you can't go to the cross. Oh my goodness. God forbid. We need to just keep this ministry growing and flowing kind of thing, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and so Jesus turns his back on Peter and says, that's wicked. It's not the will of God. You know, just yeah. the, the very word words you're speaking, it's like he gives credit fully to Satan for what Peter's speaking. It's very interesting. 17. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. 18. But the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clear until it reaches its full strength and glory in the perfect day to be prepared. Well, there's your laser, right? Yep, that's good. I mean, that's such a landing place for that analogy about the laser. The the path of the uncompromisingly just and righteous is like the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clear. It's the process of the light becoming more accurate, brighter, clear. When you receive Jesus, you receive the light of glory. You don't get bits and pieces of Jesus. The day you receive Jesus in your heart, you get the whole King of Kings living on the inside of you. It's no longer you living, but Christ living in you. But then there becomes a focus now to your way of thinking and your alignment of thinking with his thinking. Transformed and so by the, the light gets to reflect in your life more and more perfectly. It says, as the light of dawn that shines more and more brighter and clearer. So it's like the focus of the eternal light in you gets to have a focus um, here on earth and it manifests brighter and brighter. So it, it begins to spiritually cut through that blockade of steel. Isn't that cool? So good. 19, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't even know over what they stumble. (laughs) They continue to lose and don't know why. Verse 20, but my son and daughter, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. There we are again. Attend to what my words, consent and submit to my sayings. 21, let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of of your heart. I think of that often that our eyes and our ears are the main gates in our life where we receive either good seed or bad seed. Your eye gates and your ear gates. And as that information comes in, when it's from Father God, it's the wisdom of God, it becomes revelation. As we pursue the getting of wisdom and the getting of understanding, it unfolds on the inside of us and it becomes that light shining brighter and brighter. And the wisdom of God, as we pursue it not departing from our sight, but keeping it in the center of our heart, it's like a tree of life that grows up the wisdom unfolds, it bears fruit. Yeah. It's planted by that river of living water in our heart, and it produces. 22, for they are life to those who find them. They are healing and health to all their flesh. Man, if you want healing to grow up on the inside of you, keep pursuing the words of wisdom and the understanding of it. And it unfolds in leaves of healing on the inside of you. I like that. Leaves of healing. 23, famous verse. Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it, out of your heart, flows the springs 
of life. So we were just talking about you sow the word of God into your heart and out of it, out of your heart flows this harvest, these springs of life. Jesus said, he cried aloud in the marketplace. He said, if any man's thirsty, come unto me and drink and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So, you know, Again, we talked about this before. Life flows from the inside out. And a lot of times the enemy wants us to believe that life flows from the outside in. No, no. It flows from the inside out. So every answer God's going to bring into your life is going to go flow from the inside of you out. When you've received Jesus living on the inside, he is that anointed rock on the inside of you where springs of living water flow out of from the inside out. Answers come from the inside out because you have this spiritual womb. Every man and woman has this spiritual womb, which is their heart, where life flows out of. So every answer you need right now could be healing in your body. It could be um, a financial need. It could be wisdom for your son or daughter. Wisdom for your home. Maybe you're believing God to marry the right person and you're just looking for that relationship. You get pregnant with that promise, that word of wisdom from God, and the answer comes from the inside out. And you'll see how God orchestrates your steps from the inside out because Christ lives in you. Remember, we just talked about that in 1 Corinthians 1, that Christ is made wisdom unto us. So when you receive Jesus... The wisdom, as it connects with the Word of God, it opens up on the inside of you, and suddenly you're led from the inside out. Coincidentally, Pam, when we're talking about keeping and guarding our heart, flip back earlier in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and here's something fascinating. The very first mention in the whole Bible of God giving man a command to keep and guard anything is in Genesis 2, verse 15. It says, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Eden translated is delight. Right. Woohoo! Delight. And God puts Adam in the Garden of Delight to tend and guard and keep it. Mm -hmm. And what do we have in Proverbs 4, verse 23? Keep and guard your heart. The parallel, it's beyond coincidental. It's significant because God has called you and me and given us a purpose to keep and guard what's precious. Our heart, out of it flow the issues of life, the rivers of life. Before that verse 15 where God puts man in the garden and tells him to tend, guard, and keep it, we get this picture of the main rivers, freshwater rivers in life on the planet Earth, where the gold comes out of. Genesis chapter 2, verse 11, it says, the first river is called Pishon, and then the second river is called Gihon, these strange named rivers, but they're all flowing out of Eden, out of the garden. Mm -hmm. And the garden is the assignment that God has given to mankind. He says, keep guard, protect it, watch over it. Now in Proverbs 4, where he's saying to us, verse 23, he's saying, keep guard, protect that heart above all that you protect because out of it flow the rivers of life. That's the goal. That's the, the rivers. Of life. That's, yeah. the, that's the foundation for living. And this is exactly yeah. what you said. This is where the gold is of life. This is where the preciousness of life is. God has put the protected garden of Eden on the inside of us and we can give birth to anything that we desire coming out of that garden, but life moves out of us. Just like all life moved out of the garden of delight, out of the garden of Eden, into the world. Because remember, the command that God had given us is to be fruitful, to multiply, and fill Fill the the earth, earth, right? (laughs) Right. So in filling the earth, how is that accomplished? But you got to have a garden where you can be fruitful. You got to have this garden where you can multiply and where you can be an anointed agent to fill the earth. Well, fascinating. Here we are in Genesis 2, and this is before the fall. God tells mankind, I need you to tend, guard, and keep this garden, Mm -hmm. this garden of delight. Tend it. Guard it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You see, he's already told us to be in a protective guarding stance over the garden of life. And that's what Adam didn't do. 
when he let the serpent come in and start spreading lies and misrepresenting God's character. He wasn't guarding his wife. He wasn't guarding the place of delight. Mm -hmm. He wasn't guarding the truth. And this is what we got to do. Realize it's a garden. And this is what Jesus said. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil place of his heart, that evil garden, brings forth all kinds of evil things, evil weeds and misdirection, obstruction. Destruction and lies, deceit, things that kill people because the enemy is the father of lies. And I think it's important to know sometimes we talk about this heart, you know, our heart, and we know it's not our physical beating heart, this ethereal thing. The heart really is the essence, the mind, will, and emotions of somebody. It's the essence, it's who they are. You know, it's, it's, it's beyond it's, our cognitive yeah. abilities. It really gets down to that very believer engine. But that comes from like what you say, what you look at and listen to determines what you believe. What you believe masters your choices. Your choices are the sum painting of your life. I think when it says guard your heart, um, almost like you would nurture a precious little girl, a precious little boy, you would protect them from evil. Guard your mind. Mm-hmm. Guard your will. Yeah. Guard your emotions and keep them protected from going astray into destruction. Faith comes when you plant the seeds of God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. So as you cultivate the garden in your heart with seeds of truth, faith comes, faith grows. (laughs) Little faith, little seeds of faith move big mountains, Mm -hmm. the word of God says. But Jesus said, beware of a little ferment of misdirection, a little ferment from the religious crowd, a little misguidance, a little lie here and a little lie there. He said, those little seeds leaven the whole lump. In other words, I feel like it takes over the dough of your life and corrupts it. It takes over the garden of your life. We've seen that. A few little weeds in your garden, if if they're left unchecked, they can take over Mm -hmm. your beautiful garden. That's true. You've got to guard your heart. Protect it. That's right. And you know, this 24 goes along with just explaining a little bit how to guard your heart. 24 says, put away from you all false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk put far from you. Contrary to talk to what? Contrary talk to God's way of thinking and doing things. His, His wisdom, his understanding, his way. Contrary words are words that go against the wisdom of God, because why your words are seeds. Remember, we talked about that. Your eyes and your ears are these gates where you receive thoughts, imaginations, ideas, words, either words from God or words from the enemy. Right. And so as you speak them, you're giving birth to, you're giving birth from your heart. The word says, out of a man's heart, out of a woman's heart, they speak. Right. Your mouth is sowing these seeds because every time you speak a word, you actually hear the words coming out of your mouth. So it becomes this inversion as seed comes out of your mouth, it goes into your heart again. Right. So here you are, you're speaking. The Bible says that um, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart flings forth good things. Good things. Well, that comes out of your mouth, right? right? And we know that out of the heart, the man speaks. So your words become a reflection of what's really in your heart. Verse 25, let your eyes look right on. Well, of course, let your eyes look right on because we know that's a major eye gate as you're looking. Like I said, try to avoid even something that appears evil. Look away. Jesus looked away from Peter. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. You choose. We yeah. choose where your eyes are going to go. You choose what channels you watch on TV. You choose what you watch on the internet. You choose what you see when you're walking down the street. You choose, you know, I used to love this about my grandfather. He'd be sitting in the mall. Some girls would walk by scantily clad. And my grandfather, I loved him. He, he was such a man of integrity and such a, a strong guy. He would purposely look away and look just the opposite direction. I could tell. I would watch his eyes. It kind of reminds me of in the book of Job. Job said this, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look on another woman. That's so good. Some men would do good to learn the habit of look away. Make a covenant with your eyes and look away. When nobody else is watching you, look away. Guard your heart. Protect your eye gates. So he said, let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. 26. Consider well the path of your feet 
and let all your ways be established and ordered aright. Mm, so good. So good. The paths of our feet, the roads we take, consider them well, with wisdom being your your close companion, weighing in on every step you take. I love Psalm where it says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And in the Amplified, it says, and God busies himself with your every yes. step. Yeah. Can you imagine I your like steps? That. God being busy with your every step. That's beautiful. And finally, verse 27, turn not aside to the right hand or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. See, we sometimes we're like, well, I, I just need to pray that my foot. No, no, you don't need to pray about it. Just remove your foot from evil. Yeah. Just do it. I have a lot of girls in our conferences and stuff coming up to me and they're dating somebody. There's teenagers and they say, would you just please pray for me? I'm going to fast and pray to see if, if my boyfriend and I should continue to date and everything. I said, okay, well, let me just ask you a question. Does 80% of the time or 85% of the time you want to understand the Father's wisdom and understanding his love for you through Jesus? You're excited about who God made you to be. Uh, joy is flowing in your heart. You're going forward. You're kinder to people. You're kinder to your family. You're growing in all your ways. Is 80% of the time you're doing that? Well, no. I said, okay, so if 80% of the time, she said it was probably 80% of the time it's not doing that. And 20% of the time, I kind of feel like things are pretty good. I said, well, you know what? If 80% of the time you're miserable and 20% of the time things are kind of good, you don't have to pray about it. It's not God's will right now. <laughs> so <laughs> don't waste the time praying about it. You That is wisdom is calling out to you and say, listen, you remove your foot from this way right now because the fruit is telling you this is not God's way. It's not God's will for right now. That's called discernment. God yeah. has given us the discernment to, like you said, measure the fruit assess the situation and realize, hey, the the fruit of this situation is not good. It's bearing ugly fruit. I need to remove my foot. You know, I've realized that life is as much or more about elimination as it is about accumulation. Yes. You know, where we want, we want, we want, and it's good to bring your petitions and your requests to God. That's who we should be bringing it to. But in the process of God bringing good things into your life, you know, like when I was in abject poverty and broke and busted and in debt, I wanted help. I wanted money. I wanted some assistance. Right. But God needed more than that. When I look back, God needed to remove the wrong financial thinking. Yes. First, I needed to have some elimination of wrong, unwise thinking about finances. I had wrong ideas about debt. I had permissions built into my being for debt. I had permission built in my heart for borrowing and for and for not being a good steward of my finances. Well, you know, if God were to bless me with more money and not remove the wrong thinking about money, all I would have done was compound my sin, my bad stewardship for finances and heap up sins against myself and bring more curses on myself. So there's the beauty that wisdom brings elimination. And as we've been reading through Proverbs 4 right now, my friends, as you've been listening and Pam and I read through Proverbs 4, I'm telling you, I know that God is as much persuading you about the good things that wisdom wants to bring into your life as much as the bad things wisdom wants to help eliminate from your life. So Pam, let's just join in prayer with all of our friends right now that God would help them have discretion and discernment to eliminate the wrong things, to remove their foot from evil, from wrong relationships. Holy Spirit, right now, we just thank you that you are the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And we get you. We pursue you. We chase after you. We chase after the word of God. We're not just going to pray and say, God, give us wisdom and then just kind of go about our way. No, Father, we're saying, give us wisdom. Give us understanding as we pursue this word, as we incline our ear to hear you, to be attentive to your voice, God. Lord, that means we got to put down the, the electronic devices at some point and just listen yes. in the stillness, in the quiet, and hear your voice and eliminate what Holy Spirit tells us to eliminate. Yes. God, we thank you 
that when we walk, our steps will not be hampered. And then we run. (laughs) We're not going to stumble. We're thankful that wisdom is so for us that as we get wisdom, wisdom protects us. As we prize wisdom, that wisdom, she exalts us and promotes us. Father, that's your will for us. We know from 1 Peter 5, Lord, that as we cast all of our care upon you, Lord, that you care for us and you exalt us. In due time, you exalt us. There's a a season, a harvest time, Father God, that when we prize wisdom, that we get promoted. Father, you bring us to honor with wisdom and that wisdom actually puts a crown, a wreath of gracefulness and beauty and glory upon our brow. Father, we thank you that you've marked our brow with the name of King Jesus so that every spiritual adversary, when they see us coming into the room, they know, hey, that's a child of God. They're marked with the name of God on them. They've got a crown of wisdom on their head. Don't mess with that person. Thank you, Father, for that. Thank you that, Lord, you are an enemy to our spiritual enemies. Father, I thank you for that, that you magnetize us with the power of wisdom so that, Lord, we are not only wisdom magnets, but everything that goes with wisdom, the goodness, the riches, the honor, the life that is in the hands of wisdom. Father God, all of that stuff is conveyed to us. Lord, we can appropriate it, take possession of it right now in the name of Jesus. And out of our heart are springs of living water so that, Father, we can be a blessing to the weak, Lord, to those that are lacking wisdom, to the simple. Father God, to those that are in need of help. Father God, we are helpers. Lord God, we can bring life to those, Lord, who are downcast, discouraged, and in darkness. Father, I thank you for that right now. I thank you for your blessing on everyone listening. Father God, whether they're running, driving, working at home, taking care of the kids, Father God, um, just even being quiet in their study. Father God, right now, a supernatural blessing is descending upon our brothers and sisters. And Father God, life is being given birth in their heart. And out of their mouth, they are speaking destiny, light, like a laser is coming out of them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, don't forget to go to our website. Don't forget to like this podcast. Like it, like it, love it. Tell some friends, share it. Do everything you can, right, Pam? That's right. And right now, these podcasts are, we're bringing them to you free. But please go onto the website, sign up for the Living Room Community, and consider in your heart donating so that we can keep producing these amazing podcasts for you. We love you. We want to invest in your life. Your life is so important. We want to keep investing in you because you are so worth it. Jesus loves you. God bless you. for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide. 